Welcome to the podcast series, Space for Food Security, Does It Work? A podcast that explores the rapid developments and key role that Earth observations play in our global effort to achieve zero hunger by 2030. Brought to you by the Netherlands Space Office. This podcast series explores the real, field-tested innovations and experience of multiple actors within the Geodata for Agriculture and Water programme, led by the Dutch government's space agency. Today's episode, Catalyzing Inclusive Finance, takes you to the incredible potential of information services and earth observation data for the availability of financial services to smallholder farmers as products targeted to their needs and circumstances suddenly become available using the latest in Earth observation technology, which resulted in an unexpected partnership of two different disciplines. Now, here is your host, Raymond Afkenscheid. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you listening. Welcome. In today's episode, we talk about the combined use of geodata for both agricultural information services and for financial services and the way this helps smallholder farmers to improve their production, lower risks, reduce cost and input, and increase their resilience to climate change. The use of geodata technology in the development of financial services for smallholder farmers and the poor is on the rise. If we succeed in providing farmers with better information that allows them to better manage their crops and their farms, and provide them with access to finance to turn that information into real action, then we may have a real impact in improving farmers' performance, their livelihood and food security in general. We talk about the potentials and the challenges of these new developments with two new guests. My co-host, Joanna Ruiter of the Netherlands Space Office and Arno Keizer of the Platform for Inclusive Finance, NPM. Joanna and Arno, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you, Raymond. There's one thing that I would like to start this discussion about. We are talking agriculture, we are talking smallholder farmers, and we talk about inclusive finance. So what is actually the challenge here? Joanna, would you like to kick off? Yeah, thank you so much, Ray. I think you can look at the problem from two sides. One is the finance side, so really how many people worldwide have access to financial solutions. There are some estimates that show that globally 1.7 billion adults remain unbanked. That means that they don't have a bank account, they don't have access to any financial services, they don't have mobile money, and virtually all of them are in developing countries. Then the other side is the agricultural side you can look at. So it's about 500 million smallholder farmers, most of them in developing countries. So we already see that link, probably most of them remain unbanked. And they are also responsible for about 40% of the global food production. That's about 2 billion people estimates say. So that's a huge amount of people that remain without financial services that are responsible for food production. And then we see the trend going, increasing trend and increasing demand for food production, especially with growing world populations until 2050. So we know we need to do something about this. We need to give smallholder farmers financial services so they can increase their yields, we can increase food production globally. Okay. Arno, the platform for inclusive finance, I think, is trying to do exactly that. But what is your relationship with the geodata world? Yeah, as Joanna mentioned, the problem is quite large and complex. And uh, the geodata is one of the solutions, according to our members who are investors in agriculture and in uh, microfinance especially. And we see that providing uh, appropriate loan products combined with good data about crop yields 
can actually reduce the risk of lending to farmers and also reduce the operational cost of, for example, doing due diligence to look at farmer profiles. So that combination is uh, really interesting for our members and also for the uh, end client, of course. Okay, but then you're members of your platforms that are banks and large NGOs in the Netherlands trying to improve inclusive finance. And what type of products are we then actually talking about? What do smallholder farmers need? Well, um, when we talk about our members, we talk about impact investors, to answer your first question. And when we talk about the lending products, it can be something simple as a credit line uh, to farmers to buy inputs, but also um, insurance products, uh, for example, in order to secure in case of crop uh, loss uh, due to drought, etc. So the combination of these two type of uh, financial services are um, really what uh, local FIs are trying to uh, offer to end clients. I actually think that links really nicely to what a farmer needs. A farmer, um, and, and, and that's really talking about a smallholder farmer who has just a few hectares of land in a rural area that is quite um, with some volatile climatic conditions as well. So there's some droughts, there's some floods as well. They're very vulnerable to these environments. Um, and also because they only hold such a small amount of land that really their livelihood depend on. If there is such an event happening, their whole livelihood just cripples, um, it's so difficult for them to bring that back. So to have a farmer to give them an insurance that gives a payout when such a climatic condition happens and such an event happens, it's just a It's a life saver. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's so often what they don't have. And some of the challenges is not just giving the farmer information that they understand when to use fertilizers, when to use pesticides, but also to give them the tools that they can buy these fertilizers and they can buy these pesticides. And that's some of the products that Arno just mentioned, like not just credits, so they can buy that, but also insurances. And then two of you, let's say, represent individual programs that try to stimulate this. Uh, Joanna NSO has organized and is managing the G4AW program. And Arno, uh, NPM initiated the G4IFF, the Geodata for Inclusive Finance and Food Program. So... Come on, help me out. Two programs that are so similar, but on the other hand, so different. Correct. The G4IFF program focuses on innovative solutions for tech and fintech companies uh, related to agroeconomic advice. But the interesting part in that is that the end goal is to provide financial services to farmers. This is different than G4AW. Several interesting ag tech and fintech companies are currently in developing countries active. And uh, we see that this is also interesting for investors as a way to uh, get exposure to farmers. While G4AW was more or less focused towards information services to smallholder farmers, right? Yeah, exactly. So we started in 2013 and it was primarily agricultural services. We had some financial services, but we saw over the years we have 25 services at the moment in 15 developing countries. And we really see that that was a huge challenge um, also for um, these partnerships. The financial market is something that was still very difficult. And of course, we understand the geodata side and we can give the agricultural advice, but that financial side remained difficult. So I think it was in about 2016 that we were introduced to NPM and that really brought these two worlds together. So it's for the financial institutes to understand a bit more the added value of geodata, whereas for our side to also understand the financial side a bit more and to bring that closer together. And I think since then, NPM and NSO has been working in a strategic partnership very closely on that topic. Excellent. I know 
MPM is evaluating some of the projects in the G4IW program and in the G4IFF program. Is that correct? What have you learned so far? So far, <laughs> well, so far we uh, we we have had interesting learning. For example, we saw a reduction in uh, operational expenses uh, because of the use of geodata. There's less need of actual field visit. And we saw a better credit scoring as models for farmers have been uh, developed. There has been uh, also better information on where to grow your crops and also higher repayment rates for loan lending products to farmers. Especially the last point is very interesting for FIs. Uh, they consider farmer as costly and risky and higher repayment rate uh, build more trust for local banks to lend to farmers. And any challenges you discovered? Uh, or is this all is this all solved now and it will increase dramatically and the world will change completely or do we still have some hiccups that we need to overcome there are still challenges for example the partnership forming usually uh, doing this means working together with uh, local governments and local fis and also uh, with uh, local uh, specialists in agriculture advice and working together has uh, proved to be a challenge but also making farmers uh, use these uh, apps eh? because there's a bit of technology gap, of course. And uh, we see that you can offer it to them, but they also have to use it and follow the advice, of course. So uh, there are some challenges there still. Okay, but overall outcome? Overall, the outcomes are positive in the sense that um, if you look at agriculture in, for example, Africa, there is there are plenty of ways to increase the output and that's needed in the world. Eh? And If you look at what the outcomes are in terms of increased crop yield, you see that this can actually contribute a lot to that problem. Good. I want to hear how this works in practice. Joanna, you invited one example of the G4AW portfolio to demonstrate a combination of agricultural information services and financial services. And you invited the Set for Business project in Ghana. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. So I invited the project coordinator for Sat for Business, Akuya Benewa Okra. Perfect. Uh, Hi, Akuya. Welcome. Yeah, welcome so much. I'm so thrilled that you can make it today because Sat for Business is one of the few projects that came in at the end of the G4AW program and that had a very, very strong focus on really um, providing financial services to the smallholder farmers. So Akuya, I would love to hear a bit more about What services are you working on? I think you are about a year and a half into the project, so it's still quite early. But um, yeah, if you can tell us a bit about the services and really how is that for the farmer? So what is his life like? What is the added value of these type of services for him or her? Thank you, um, Joanna. So um, I would like to bring this more home and provide more insights from such for business perspective. Our platform is a digital platform for facilitated for facilitating data-driven services to the unreached and underserved smallholder farmers in commodity supply chains. Um, we will offer farm risk profiling and linking farmers to financial services, including credit products, savings products, micro pensions and micro insurance. Micro pensions because a lot of these farmers on the average are between 50 to 55 years old. And so we want them to retire at the right time and then also uh, provide a succession plan for the youth to come into um, agriculture and, and take over the farms. Additional services that we provide are farm productivity and advisory and then improvement plan. 
We link them to financing so that they can get um, input products and additional money um, to acquire labor and then also invest in alternative livelihoods with the aim to increase their income and productivity. Akuya, yep. did you manage to assist the farmers in this area? Because the challenge is enormous. Did you actually, let's say, manage to improve the access to finance? Yes, exactly. So what we created from our platform is to create visibility um, for the farmers to ensure that the underserved and enriched farmers are now known to the banks. So we do what we call the credit risk profiling, whereby we integrate the farmers, the banks know your customer requirements into our profiling tool. And then we generate credits insights to the banks so that they have access. Additionally, um, satellite data plays a role here where the banks are now able to tell where these farmers are, the sizes, and then the level of adoption of productivity and agroforestry and practices. So, so far, we have been able to work with a bank um, that has lowered its cost of loans um, more than 52%, which is great for us. And then we have run credit risk costs on about 10,000 cocoa and oil palm farmers and presented them to financial institutions for financing in the coming upcoming rainy season. And did they pick it up? Yes, yes, they pick it up. Um, one interesting thing about our services is that such for business platform provides services that lowers the transaction cost of the banks. Okay. Oh, so you make it really easy for them to assist those farmers. Yes, we make it easy for the, the banks. Uh, and now, um, interestingly, they keep knocking on our doors to test or try um, our services um, with new farmers. To the extent that now the banks are doing last mile lending, so they deploy the products to the doorstep of the farmer, which previously was not done. Currently, our farmers live on less than a dollar per day. And if I tell you that they spend about $5 on cost of accessing financial services in a week. That is very high for such a farmer. And so last mile lending for, for these farmers cuts down on a lot of costs that they need to incur to access financial services. Mm. Great. That sounds yeah. to me like it's really reducing costs for both sides. So it's using costs for the banks as well as for the farmers to access these services. Yes, it becomes a win-win situation. And then the recovery rates are also very good because then the farmer sees value in the services, and they want this to stay. They want the relationship to continue. So they make sure that they apply the inputs, they have money to pay for labor, and then they are able to pay back at the right time. Um, one key thing that I should also mention is that um, we designed this product or scheme to fit the crop calendar. So the farmers take the loan product in the raining season where they need money to buy the inputs and labor services, and they pay during the harvesting season. And so they get about six months moratorium to work with the money and then pay back when they make profits from their farms. Okay, that sounds really yeah. good. Thank you so much for that, Akuya, for giving us a bit of an insight into how that works in Ghana for the cocoa and palm oil farmers that you work with. Yes. Um, I'm so happy to hear also that the financial institutes come knocking on your door. So let's hope that we can keep working on the win-win situation in Ghana. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Joanna. Well, thanks a lot for your explanation and uh, to give us a 
kind of insight on how this is actually working in um, Ghana in the cocoa and palm industry. So thank you very much, Akuya. And thank you, Joanna, for bringing us this uh, excellent example. Thank you for having me too. Um, bridging the gap between the farmers and the financial institute. That is actually what we are talking about, if I understood Akuya correctly. Well, we have an, another guest in the in the studio. We have Albert Boogheid from the Rabobank Foundation. He is one of the MPM members interested in combination of geodata and financial services from very early in the process. Uh, Albert, welcome to the podcast. Yes, hello everybody. Pleasure to be part of your podcast. You have been listening in. Yes. Uh, you followed the conversation so far. Uh, Rabobank invested uh, significantly in the G4 IFF program run by uh, MPM and uh, related innovations there. Why did you get involved so early on? What what grabbed your attention in the uh, world of geodata? So for Rabobank Foundation and other organizations working on access to finance for smallholder farmers, the big challenge is always the high costs of finance. And that is related to risk, but it also related to transaction costs or operational costs of banks and financial institutions. From that problem, from that perspective, we've been looking at technology for some time, driven by better internet access, cheaper smartphones, cloud solutions. And of course, there was also satellite and new developments in satellite satellite and remote sensing. But we didn't know that much about it. So for us, the cooperation with NSO, G4AW and NPM was a great opportunity actually to learn more on the application of satellite for smallholder farmers. We've had some applications in the bank, but applications for smallholder farmers were quite new. And actually the NSO uh, projects provided us with a great opportunity because it's a combination of a lot of field experiments and projects going on. But also we found the technical knowledge and the know-how of NSO extremely valuable and also the network of all the different technology partners around geodata. So that's why we found it so interesting. And that was, I think, four years ago, four years from now. Uh, and, and that has all proven right. So you became involved in this development of combination of use of geodata for financial services quite early on. Um, what did you learn so far? We learned especially how diverse the technology is okay. and how that translates to the different use cases. Of course, satellite is a partial solution from the access to finance perspective. Satellites do not predict repayment. No. That speaks for itself. So then the question is, how much or what, what part of the solution can it provide? Basically, we always ask or we learned to ask three questions. And the first question we always ask now is, is a solution technically correct and fit for the purpose we want to use it for? Especially in the early days, uh, there was a lot of overpromising going on in the market. And of course, in a PowerPoint slide, everything works. But then the reality, so we did quite a number of reality checks validating with, uh, with field data. The second uh, point we look at is if it's technically correct, which is important, then the second question is, does it predict or does it help? Uh, is it analytically predictive? Does it really give us the insights that we need to have? And once that question is answered, uh, we look at the cost-benefit analysis. Because if something is correct and predicts and helps, it doesn't mean it's worth using it. Because it's also relevant whether the costs of acquiring the data uh, are in, let's say, favorable relation to uh, to the benefits it brings. Huh? 
So Albert, you have gained quite some experience with the combination of geodata and financial services and diversity of technologies and the maturity of the technologies. Has this actually trickled down in the core business of the bank? And we are we are talking about helping smallholder farms to get access to financial services. Has this technology trickled down to the product level? Yes, it is trickling down in, in different ways uh, within the Rabobank organization. First of all, in, in Rabo Foundation, where it continues to be part of uh, the product offer, or at least uh, part of the, uh, of the financial solutions and platforms that we are active in, especially in India, uh, where the financial sector is more mature. You're also referring to the broader organization uh, of the bank. And the bank had already quite a number of use cases around satellite data, about land valuation, deforestation, monitoring growing conditions. Actually, very recently, that has also translated in a smallholder initiative that I'm now also in the lead of. Okay. Um, Albert, uh, just zooming in on that, the use cases. We worked with you on uh, AgriWallet, and Rabobank has been involved with that as well. Do you see an increase in financing such type of ag tech or fintech in the future? Uh, we see definitely an increase. We see a role for ag fintech platforms in the future in general. And that's that's also what is happening as we speak, which is all about the combination of different services around smallholder farmers and also combining the underlying data equivalent of that. So if you talk about a wallet, it's definitely a great tool to digitize the last mile, to earmark farm input deliveries to farmers, but also connect that to off-takers and make close loop in, in loan repayments. And satellite data is definitely helpful in terms of detecting crop vegetation growth, telling you more about the crop growing conditions like, like weather and soil moisture, for instance. It can also tell you something about the asset value, and that can all be combined with digital platforms such as AgriWallet. Oh, it's it's nice to see that we have a, an example from Ghana, really working on trying to close the gap between smallholder farmers and financial services, and a major bank gaining experience with uh, introducing this technology in their service provision. So excellent! Thank you, Pleasure. Albert, for your contribution. I hope you're going to continue this. Uh, yes, definitely, definitely. And uh, to, to give an example, we have a group of more than 40 people in the bank that all has an interest in applications of satellite data. And we're meeting uh, quite regularly, sharing experiences. So there's definitely a lot of interest. Thanks. Well, success with that. Thank you very much. We are closing the gap, indeed. Um, Joanna and Arnaud, we have heard Ghana, we have heard the Rabobank. Albert is very explicit in saying he's going to continue this. 40 people in the bank working in especially this field. Where is this going to take us? I mean, how is this area going to develop in the coming years? Well, maybe to bring it back a little bit, if you look at these solutions now, for example, in Africa, you see that they combine multiple innovations. So, for example, AgriWallet works with blockchain. Uh, we have Apollo Agriculture that combines machine learning to increase the credit profiling scoring. And we have Van der Sot with Tara. They really look at the soil and they use this to develop new financial products such as index-linked uh, insurance products. And I think this highlights a bit where the future is going with this. There's on one way you can say that it will lead to the development of other and better financial products really customized to farmers. And with this, I mean insurance products. Huh? But are we going to reach more farmers? That's what I want to know. Well, we, we, have, we have 500 million 
You know, you you said only a fraction of that have access. Well, it's not going to solve all problems, of course, because for that you need investments also in, in the markets, in investment in infrastructure. For farmers, you need investment in better input. That's more a structural problem. Eh? But this can indeed benefit the subsistence farmers, eh? the smaller ones, in actually improving uh, their crop yield significantly by these customized products at one hand. And on the other hand, it also will lead to a launch of fintech companies or agtech companies that are actually investable and will be interesting for investors uh, from the West to actually scale them so that these farmers who don't produce on a very large scale can actually produce not only for themselves, but also sell part of their produce to cooperatives. And I think that's the group that we want to target right now. So, But I also think, I mean, what we heard early enough, both from Aquia as well as from Albert, is that it's an incredibly complex situation. It's It very is. complicated. We hear over and over again, there's so much needs that a farmer has. It's both the agricultural information, financial services, it's really tailor-made services. So this is, yeah, how can I say this? It's not going to be an, an easy thing to solve. The two examples we've heard now are both very positive and I'm so thrilled that they are so positive, but there's a lot that remains open. There's a lot that still needs to be done. And I think there's only now a few years into these type of services being on the market, are we slowly understanding that there is an added value of geodata for the financial sector. So that is both the banks are understanding that slowly, and I really mean slowly. I think there's a lot more to be done there in both showing them the added value of satellite data without over-promising something. And that's something that Albert, also from Rabobank Foundation, mentioned. Made very clear. Yeah, but there's also, of course, a trend in the technology. So the satellite imagery is getting better, and that will remain in the future. As Arno also said, there's blockchain technology, there's big data, there's cloud um, computing. All of that combined, hopefully, can bring us a step further. But also what needs to happen on the other side for the farmer in the inclusive finance is they need to understand the value of financial services. And I think that's a step that we haven't really touched upon so much yet, but they also it, it's that financial literacy to understand if I save a bit of money, then I'm more eligible for a loan. And if I have a loan, I have more financial um, means. I have more money to buy more inputs. With that, I might be eligible for yet another financial product. So also that needs to happen on the field level, really. And I think that's something that Akuya Inside for Business is also working with, is how can you teach also the farmer the value of that and so they understand what they need to do. So not only helping the banks understanding this technology and the opportunities, but also assisting yeah. the farmers to make sure that they know that these services exist. Exactly, and, and that and they have value for them. So I think the challenges are on both sides. And to add to that, it's also the uh, protection, eh? so the insurance in case of crop loss or due to drought, because Climate change will impact them and we need these farmers and the farmers need to understand that they, their products can be secured or insured in that sense so that they don't start from the bottom when something like that happened. And it will happen. Huh? And as Joanna mentioned, the literacy is very important. And I think that's been the challenge for NPM from the beginning onwards, huh? the access to financial services. Uh, just basic understanding that if you lend money, you have to pay back interest and at the end you have to repay the, the complete amount. And I think what you see now is going the right way. Uh, you, you heard Albert as well saying, and Aquia, that repayment is usually done at the end of the crop cycle. So when they actually have sold their produce. And if you also look at the interest rate being offered by 
uh, these ag tech companies, they're somewhat between the 1% and 2%. It's not competitive market rate. It's very much customized, and they look very closely at what a farmer can afford. And in that sense, I think that the future is promising if we uh, if we continue to go uh, go this way. I like this, and I think you know you can be quite pleased with yourself actually that these two programs have opened up this world and provided these insights that you can build upon. Of course, this is not solved overnight. We all understand that. But to get a better picture of what is actually ongoing, what banks need, what farmers need, and how to bring them together and close this gap. You can only do that by trying things in the field. And G4IFF and G4AW have tried to do so. Exactly. I, I compliment you with that. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. There is there is one more thing before we, we come to the closure of this podcast. And that's a bit about the concerns. Now, this is all about data, about finance. It, it's about privacy coming into the picture, uh, ownership of data. Um, we tend to overlook that a bit. What are your ideas about it. Actually, that's something that we're being asked quite a bit. It also already pops up in agricultural services, so not just the financial services, what happens with the data. Yes. But f- especially for the financial services, of course, that's very sensitive data. So to be perfectly honest, it's also that is is a challenge. Um, and there's a lot that needs to be done and there's a lot of misunderstanding. So I think the projects are only now figuring out how do they go about these privacy concerns. The countries differ quite greatly in what the law is also. And also there, there's training that needs to be done for the farmer so the farmers understand that their own data is actually quite valuable. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation and I think there's more need to... to it is uncharted territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> indeed. There's more need to talk more about it to get a better understanding of this. But the awareness is there. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, and I think to, to maybe more a concrete example uh, to see how scattered uh, the regulations are, in Ethiopia, you're only allowed to store personal data for one year. Eh? And in Kenya, you're, for example, not allowed to export uh, data to other countries. So uh, you have to be creative with that. Eh? If, if you are, for example, uh, running a company from the Netherlands, but also have an office in Kenya. And uh, some countries don't even have uh, strict regulations, such as Uganda and Myanmar. So we see that on governmental level, uh, they're still trying to figure out what works best for their countries. And it's up to the tech and the investors to also adapt to either that or influence that where possible. Any chance that we will see a combined G4 IFF program, G4 AW program in the future that can that <laughs> that has specific interest and paying attention to these matters of concern? I think uh, we'll work very hard towards something like that from both organizations. If that's done together or in another construct, we'll see. But um, I think the first step that we took together is to evaluate the projects that we've had that were on financial services to really understand how did that work? What were the challenges like we discussed today? And hopefully we can really bring that forward because there's so much more that needs to be done, especially from the public sector. And I mean, coming from the government, we are working with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs quite a bit on this topic. And they actually, um, they were the ones who financed this program. So we are working on getting an understanding in these type of programs. What is the added value of digitalization? How can we build the new programs around solving these challenges? I know. Yeah, to add to that, uh, this is a global problem and working uh, together is pivotal. And I think this program once again highlights, uh, if you look at how many partnerships have been involved in either the project 
but also the public and private sector cooperation. And I think that's the only way to solve this, because you need all these actors. So um, I think we will continue to share learnings, um, not only from the public side, but also from the private side. And that's exactly our role as NPM. NSO and NPM working together on this. (laughs) Exactly. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Space for Food Security, Does It Work? Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Catch our next episode. This podcast series has been financially supported by the Netherlands Ministry of Foreign Affairs and produced by the Netherlands Space Office.